listening to Gaywire on CJSR, your homegrown source for lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and queer news, culture, stories, and events from Edmonton and beyond. Hey there. Hello. <laughs> I'm Alexa. I'm JD. I get to say my name now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're Gaywire. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what order. We were discussing what order we wanted to go in. If we're going to go like, it just seems like we have every week now a whole chunk of just like negativity. So if we sandwich it with some positivity, <laughs> maybe that's good. We'll come back. In 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, why don't we talk about uh, the movie that we actually both saw, the queer movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that we're not we're not reviewing one that we haven't seen any. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know. But uh, yeah, we both saw uh, A Fantastic Woman, which is a, the Chilean movie that won Best Oscar for Best Foreign Film. Uh, here, I've just got a short description here. If you haven't it. seen it, it's a transgender singer faces scorn and discrimination after the sudden death of her older boyfriend. So it's a pretty short tagline, but it was a very good film. Yeah. And it won for Best Foreign Film, and that's all it was nominated for. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of buzz about uh, lead actress Daniela Vega. Right. Who I wouldn't be surprised if... She's going to be uh, very popular and snatched up into some good films and be nominated <laughs> next year. It's the first time that Chili's won Best Foreign Picture. I don't know. It might be the first time that Chili's even been nominated for Best Foreign Picture. I'm not sure. Oh, wow. So uh, that was historic as well. Mm-hmm. And we were, I mean, we were talking about it, and there's several things that are like, there's even more that's really like historic about it. Um, but that it, it's a trans actress playing yeah. the role of a trans woman, which is hugely different in our media. Yes. Um, and so while watching the film, I mean, like, um, I mean, it just, it was really powerful. And I think that genuinely comes from having, you know, experienced some elements of oh, what yeah. she's portraying, right? Well, I think she said uh, that a lot of the things that were uh, depicted in the film were things that had happened to her. Um, so, I mean, you could tell it was it was a very raw movie and a very real movie, but mm-hmm. um, um, it was very well done. It wasn't just... You know, we we get a lot of movies of like you know an hour and a half of queer suffering, but uh, this <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, I mean, she had an amazing strength in it. So it wasn't yeah. just about uh, you know another queer person suffering uh, mindlessly for people's uh, viewing. Uh, I don't want to say pleasure, but well, sometimes it feels like that. Yeah, sometimes. But no, there. Yeah, you're right. There are so many moments when, like, um, and it's not giving anything away because I mean it's the premise of the movie. But um, when she was sort of like, like physically and emotionally and like socially beaten down by this family, but also by like the police and by like the justice system, and yeah, she just had this way of like just like coming back and being insistent mm-hmm. that she deserved to be places and and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. She was also the first. Uh, trans person to like 
present or introduce yeah. uh, at the Oscars as well. Yeah, well, it was a very diverse and inclusive Oscars this year. So yeah. uh, that was good to see. I yeah. mean, that there was uh, that kind of diversity on stage. Not presenting and winning. It was... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was still, you know, four pe- white people that won Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor and Actress, but... Yes, but at least, there's no, at least there's some non-white people nominated. <laughs> yeah, and in one category, there were even two people of color nominated. Yeah. Imagine that. And a trans yeah. person of color was nominated. Yeah, they were, yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, person of color nominated for... Same person for two awards, so... Um, progress. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but it was really cool. And so, do you have the dates and times right now? Oh, yeah, sure. If you, if you haven't seen Fantastic Woman, go see it. Um, we recommend it. I, mean, I recommend it. Do you recommend it? Absolutely. It was we, one of those movies that you think about we, for a couple of days after. A film we feel comfortable recommending yes, this time. Yes, finally. Because we, we've seen it, and we're not recommending a movie we haven't seen. And we genuinely liked it, yeah. Um, so, if you want to see it in Edmonton, you can see it at the Metro Cinema at the Garneau Theatre on 109th Street. It is showing... What's the date today? Because I don't want to read the past dates. It's the 8th because it's International Women's Day. Okay, we'll have to talk about that after. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fantastic Women is showing uh, March 9th, 11th, and 13th at 7 p.m. And that is it for upcoming... So three more chances to see that film this month. Nice. Yeah, it definitely. Whatever our rating system is, it gets full approval recommended. We'll have to develop a rating system. We will. Now that we're, we're seeing the movies we're <laughs> talking about. we're legitimately seeing them. We well, and we might actually see Call Me By Your Name next week, so we could come back with a review of that. Sure. Also nominated. Can I say when that's showing? Yeah. So, uh, Call Me By Your Name, what did it win? I, it, did it win anything? Did it? No. I can look yes. it up. Yes. Um, James Merchant won for... Or are you, I always get too confused. So, a gay man... Who wrote it? Please look at this up because now hey, I'm, I'm gonna. Okay, uh, it won for best adapted screenplay. So the screenwriter yeah. who was gay um, won, and I th- is this his, was his first win. It doesn't say. He's been that. nominated before. Anyway, that was uh, was he the oldest winner ever? He's 89, really? isn't he? Yeah. Oh wow. I know there's, there's something else historic about his win, too. Anyway, Call Me By Your Name uh, in Northern Italy in 1983. So a, a period picture. 17-year-old Elio begins a relationship with visiting Oliver, his father's research assistant with whom he bonds over his emerging sexuality, their Jewish heritage, and the beguiling Italian landscape. If you want to see that... At Metro Cinema at the Garden of the Theater. That's showing March 9th, 13th, and 14th at 9.30, and also March 10th and 12th at 6.45 p.m. And I do have the answer. He is the oldest winner of adapted screenplay at 89. You're right. There you go. Um, All right. So so we're going to go see that. Yeah. And then we'll be able to talk about that one. <laughs> uh, and we'll come back. That's our new that's our new thing, legitimate film reviews. Pop culture what? segment. <laughs> like having yeah. been, but like, yeah. <laughs> We're going to come back with um, all, every seven days, there's so many developments with everything that's happening in Toronto. Yeah. So we're going to come back with all of those. Tune in to a Chimawin. That's Cree for Let's Talk, Let's Share, Let's Tell Stories on CJSR 88.5 FM in the City of Champions. Radio Show.
Report on what's happening in Toronto. Or I just took notes. <laughs> that's. I've been reading the news. That's some good work. Yeah. There's so much happening in Toronto. It's. I know. Yeah. I put together a timeline. Oh wow. Okay. Um, and I mean, I'm not gonna. I can't read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, just, it's been slow going because different news outlets are reporting different things, and it's not contradictory. It's just a lot of people are getting these exclusive stories and there still hasn't yet been anybody compiling at least I haven't seen uh, compiling this uh, into a cohesive picture but I mean what a trend we're starting to see uh, emerging is that um, like some people feared the police I think had more than one opportunity to identify or catch uh, the killer the serial killer Bruce MacArthur um, before he killed as many people as he did. And uh, was it in the past week that the police complained that the community wasn't... It was Like the, last week. It was in, yeah. the, in the past week yeah. that um, the police uh, have made further unhelpful comments. It's not the first time, but... Um, so in a... I got a little bit of a summary here. So in a February 27th interview with the Globe and Mail... Uh, the police chief Saunders said, we knew something was up, but we did not have the evidence. If anyone knew before us, it's people who knew him very well, or very, very well. And so that did not come out. Um, the New Global Mail says the police chief defended his services handling of the two-year investigation called Project Houston, launched in 2012 into the disappearances of three men of similar ages and physical appearance who had ties to the gay village. Members of the LGBT community have criticized the service for not recognizing the potential serial killer sooner. Chief Saunders said he is confident his officers did all they could based on the information they had at the time, saying, I've heard a lot of sources say certain things and had those sources say things, sorry, and had those sources said those things when we had Project Houston, I think there was a very strong potential that the outcome could have been different. He added, we knew that people were missing and we did, we knew we didn't have the right answers, but nobody was coming to us with anything. Right. So um, that's not the first time they said uh, something like that that's kind of blamed the community for uh, not solving the murder themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know now that people did go to the police about uh, disappearances in the past. Uh, When Abdul Basir Faizi disappeared, his family went to the police. And just a note, he's not one of the people that... Uh, MacArthur has been charged with murdering yet, but he was fits the description of most of the victims and disappeared around the same time from the village. And although uh, had been married to him and was uh, divorced and 
we know now having uh, sex with men. Uh, so when the, as reported, uh, February 26, when the family went to the police back in 2010 when he disappeared, officers, officers suggested he had probably just left. The, a relative said, Faisy's wife then divorced him, thinking he had abandoned her and her two daughters, and the police were so convinced that he just decided to uh, leave and start another life, it made the family pretty convinced that that was the case as well, said the relative, who spoke on condition of anonymity. Wow. So, yeah, the uh, police in this case, according to this family member, convinced the family that this disappearance um, wasn't out of the ordinary, I guess, for a, a gay man to up and leave his family right. and yeah. go live a gay life. So are there family members advocating for him now and, like, making the connection? Well, yes. Yeah. So his friends and family are still saying, like, like Obviously, he disappeared in 2010, around the same time as uh, other people. Uh, he was part of the first investigation, Project Houston. So he's the only member of the Project Houston investigation who hasn't been linked to Bruce MacArthur yet. Oh, okay. They still have three sets of unidentified uh, remains, so he might still be charged with that murder, um, but we can't say for sure yet. So that's one case. Uh, CDV reported that uh, in 2012, a man went to Toronto police that he last saw one of the victims, Mahid Kahan, who was one of the people who has been charged with murdering. So he last saw Kahan with an older white-haired man named Bruce and gave the police his online username. Hmm. So that was a, a lead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, back in 2010... People in the village also knew that uh, Scan Scanda Navar Navaratnam had been dating Bruce MacArthur. Okay. So, and he was last seen leaving uh, downtown gay bar in the village. Um, so, if the community communicated to the police that Scanda was dating uh, Bruce MacArthur, that also wasn't followed up on. But the police have did talk to uh, Bruce MacArthur way back. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, so that's like three examples already of times when there were, within the community, some yeah. sort of connection being already made, which I think makes it, like, shows how frustrating it is given the police chief's, com like, comments, right? That yes. they were, like, since 2010, people were indicating to the police. And even as recently as December 2017, Police Chief Saunders was denying that there was a serial killer in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And they since reversed that, saying that, okay, yeah, he is a serial killer. Right. But even up to the la you know, last minute, um, they were still denying there's a serial killer. Mm -hmm. And we've had this conversation. This sounds an awful lot like the repetition of the Jane Doe case. Do you want to briefly just summarize? Yeah, no, so the... Uh, a couple decades ago, there was a case in Toronto where there were um, uh, sexual assaults happening in a particular neighborhood, and there seemed to be a pattern developing. And the police uh, um, broke it, like, were watching one woman who fit the profile of, some, of a victim, um, and they only intervened when the perpetrator broke into her apartment and attempted to assault her. Um, and she actually uh, took the case and... Um, She's called Jane Doe, obviously, for anonymity, but it's also her name has become sort of symbolic and synonymous with um, 
protesting obviously this practice of um, letting people be assaulted in order to make a conviction uh, and so she brought her case forward and, and won ultimately um, yeah so that's the case of Jane Doe so you're saying that there's a connection you think between the sort of idea of of letting people being continue to be victimized in order for the police to intervene. I, I, I think so. I mean, that's that's my worry is that they were watching him uh, before he killed his last known victim, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Kinsman, who was um, the white, uh, well-connected community activist that he killed, um, which is what finally got him arrested although mm-hmm. um, as reported in the Toronto Sun and a, a, you know surprising another exclusive story that is not being picked up by the other media <clears throat> this Toronto Sun reported uh, that the police rescued a young man tied to MacArthur's bed at the time that they decided to arrest him so the police officers who had MacArthur under surveillance around 10.25 a.m. on January 18th did not, did not take any chances, according to Toronto Sun, when they saw a young man enter MacArthur's 19th floor Thorncliffe, Thorncliffe Park apartment. A police source said they had to make a decision. There's been no mention of this by the police since news of MacArthur's arrest became public, but closest to the sources close to the probe say investigators had their reasons for not mentioning the shocking discovery including protecting an individual who likely had no idea about the allegations against the landscaper right but that just goes to show that they watched a victim a potential victim go into his home and I mean they chose to act they chose to potentially save his life mm-hmm. but I mean this brings up the criticisms around the Jane Doe case had the police said, okay, yeah, there is a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They could have. Yeah. They could have, they could have gone to the public and said, yeah, yeah, we have, we have a, we believe that there is a serial killer. We believe these killings are connected. We're investigating it. Um, that would have maybe made the killer stop killing, mm-hmm. which was, is actually a good thing. <laughs> but, yeah. um, instead, there's the, possibility that some people were used as bait yeah. to help identify him. Yeah. That people knew that he was dating kinsmen, that and I mean, can only speculate that the police thought, well, he's white and connected, so he's not going to kill him. But he did get killed, and that's that's when he got arrested. Yeah, and that's when like, honestly, and remembering back to the summer, that's when the media blew up around it, was with kinsmen. Um, you saw his face everywhere and to give credit where credit's due like Extra News which is Canada's like gay news mm-hmm. um, uh, body um, stayed on the cases and was re- and was reporting it quite often um, and so they did report them and they and they did report the cases together they didn't just report Kinsman but that was often the photo that was used in more mainstream media yep. um, to show it and I do want to say I think like there are interesting I'm just sort of looking up just to refresh myself on Jane Doe as well um, she did win her lawsuit against the Toronto Police Force um, uh, and this all happened um, in uh, 1986 uh, one thing that did happen after um, she was actually assaulted um, and then the police uh, identified the rapist um, but uh, after her assault, um, women wanted to put up posters warning neighbors of the rapist in the neighborhood, but police wouldn't allow them to do so, uh, fearing that the posters would botch their stakeout plan. Uh, so that really shows a lot of parallels, right? Where, where 
people are being put into absolute danger mm-hmm. and people like in this in this case like the feminist and women community knew um, and wanted to warn each other and like practice sort of these collective means of of trying to establish safety um, and you just wonder if in the gay community in Toronto if they had known that in like they knew something was going on but had they had the police been able to say this is happening um, then the community might have better been able to rally um, and and put up some safety measures and I, you know fully identify what was going on but yeah yeah it's uh, and it just we're going to keep finding out more and more things that sadly is uh, making the police look bad I think there's going to have to be an in- inquiry um, the mayor refuses to comment on this oh no I have the latest update oh he's commenting on it now yeah okay so um, yeah so he released a report uh, sorry, he released a statement uh, on Twitter about the MacArthur investigation, and this came out yesterday, so it's very new. Um, he said, quote, I continue to be deeply disturbed by the revelations of the Bruce MacArthur case. This is Mayor John Tory, sorry, of Toronto. Um, and the murders and disappearances of Toronto residents and members of the LGBT community. Uh, the safety of... Toronto residents is my primary responsibility and I believe strongly that maintaining the trust of our communities is paramount to the ongoing success of the Toronto Police Service and the frontline officers. Um, So um, he obviously goes on but he said at the Toronto Police Board last month, I led the board in taking preliminary steps to ensure that the results of the already underway internal review of these matters is made public and to ensure absolutely no questions are left unanswered. I will also be uh, taking the following steps to support request, sorry, re- support request Chief Saunders is already in the process of advancing for an independent external review. So he's saying that there's an internal and external review happening. Um, so they put forward a motion uh, sorry, moving a motion through the Toronto Police Service Board to support the Chief's request for an independent external review of the Toronto Police Service's practice with, requ- with respect to the missing persons investigations. Uh, the external review must include consultation with the public, analysis and recommendations with respect to, uh, first, any policies, procedures, protocols, training or organization structures that relate to missing persons investigations. Second, any systemic concerns, including examination, any different treatment or bias not limited to the LGBTQ community. Uh, Interesting that they don't say race in this. And Mm -hmm. also national and international best practices into making missing persons, sorry, into missing persons investigations. He will also, um, is going to ask the province to consider holding a public inquiry at the close of the criminal proceedings. So... Uh, that is incredibly interesting that he just uh, mentioned LGBT communities and not racialized and minority and ethnic communities. Yes, absolutely. Because, I mean, uh, MacArthur got away with as many murders as he did is because he was targeting doubly marginalized populations by targeting mm-hmm. uh, racialized minorities, uh, racialized men who had sex with men. Absolutely. Um, and there was, I mean, there has been a number of people in the community speaking up about that as well. Um, I just want to mention, it. I mean, a CBC story that ran about the different standard regarding treatment of queer people of color. Um, the community bulletin uh, there noted, it's saddening and unacceptable that it took the disappearance of Andrew Kinsman to reopen public interest in the case of the missing South Asian and Middle Eastern men. Uh, adding that it wasn't uh, yeah until that disappearance that uh, the police appeared to take the case seriously absolutely um 
And there's another great article um, that was in the uh, Huffington Post, um, and this one was written by um, J.P. LaRock, uh, and it's titled Society Made Queer Men of Color a White Killer's Prey. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, it's an excellent piece, and just to quote a little bit of it, um, he says, quote, a queer person of color is used to being dehumanized. We are used to being, to having our bodies fetishized, beaten, and dismantled. We are used to being put on display for the benefit of white eyes. A killer merely took these cultural realities and rendered them in literal grisly detail. He tore bodies apart and put them into pots of wealthy lawns. Um, and yet despite the media's narrative, the murder, this, I'm just sort of, Mm-hmm. This isn't all in order, but uh, and despite the media's narrative, the killers, many victims likely did not enter into sexual encounters that were odd, but ones that were shockingly normal. These men um, probably expected sexual violence. They may have expected dehumanization, but they did not expect to die. In the aftermath of MacArthur's arrest, the desire to shift focus away from race and double down on the narrative of police neglect, weaving these murders into a larger tapestry of the historical injustices that have plagued the LGBT community. This is not without value but has the negative impact of minimizing racial difference and creating equivalencies where there were none. Um, He goes on with the pulse shooting in Orlando, brown bodies ignored in life now have a certain symbolic value in death. Their sacrifice is co-opted for political aims and their otherness is erased in the interest of highlighting other systemic problems. This is a queer issue. This is a mass shooting issue. This is a terrorism issue. But race is the main story here. Any criticism of police treatment of the LGBT community is incomplete without acknowledging how the double marginalized status of these men made them both targets of a killer and lower priorities in the eyes of the law and the handling of their disappearances emphasize a key point made by Black Lives Matter Toronto during their 2016 protest and that is that systemic biases in law enforcement put racialized members of the LGBT community in harm's way so that is yeah that's an amazing amazing piece and was that written after the mayor said that he was going to do an investigation into the LGBT treatment and not the race angle Um, I'm just checking here it was reposted Today, actually. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. No, no, no. It was posted in February. So it was posted February 8th, not March 8th. Wow. So it was so a month ago. So the mayor did not read that then. Obviously not. No. Um, and that is very telling. As mm-hmm. you said, this double marginalization and that the mayor is singling out LGBT communities as uh, a being yeah. the community to focus on here. I don't, if, there's, if there's a proper inquiry, there's no way that it's going to be a proper inquiry mm-hmm. if it doesn't uh, address the issue of race in this whole thing. Because, uh, I mean, it was behind the killings, but it's also behind what what ended the killings is when he finally killed it. Uh, yeah. middle class white man yeah absolutely yeah um on a on a sort of uh there's i mean everything just keeps coming out about this there's, is, i know is, there's there's i mean yeah there's so many things that we now now know that uh macarthur was uh, uh arrested in 2001 for beating a man with a pipe mm-hmm. uh went to his ha- went to, was invited into his home they didn't have sex but he brought a pipe with him cuz that's what people do and right. and he beat him with a pipe and he was uh, received a conditional sentence could not enter the gay village for two years wow um, and the police have been asked by the media like did you look into this were you aware of this and I guess because he didn't have a criminal record they couldn't either couldn't use it or couldn't refer to it but the police have refused to acknowledge that that has happened right 
but he was so it, he doesn't have a criminal record because it was a conditional like, conditional yeah because oh, he okay. didn't uh, but I mean yeah yeah some yeah there there the, yeah there's no way that people yeah we're gonna, and it's just going to keep coming. Do you have, do you have another update? Well, about? I think I have something else that I feel like will make you, if you haven't heard about it already, will also make you angry. And that is that there is a hashtag love wins event planned for March 29th in Nathan Phillips Square in Toronto. Um, and it'll feature people like Car- Carol Pope, the Bare Naked Ladies, um, the Toronto Men's Choir, and winners of CTV's The Launch. And it's all... Uh, raising, con- sorry, it's all sort of part vigil and part celebration in wake of the arrests of of Bruce MacArthur. And the mayor, the mayor is promoting it. It's on his Twitter. Um, obviously, uh, this is being reported by the Toronto Star. Um, there are people within the LGBT community who are saying this is completely ridiculous. Um, they're saying that are any um, of the are any of the performers queer? Well, there's the Toronto Men's Choir, Gay Men's Choir, okay. are Gay any, Men's Chorus. Are any of them uh, Middle Eastern or South Asian background? I don't know. Or, but possibly people in the choir. Po- yeah, I'm sure. But, so this is not really in touch with what the community is asking for. Right, and I don't know. So um, it's... Uh, in a number of posts that were deleted, that have since been deleted, um, many people were questioning um, why it sort of appears that few members of the local community were consulted or even asked for form. Um, they also suggested that the organizer's description of the event, which proclaims the concert as, quote, the work um, of healing now begins, ignores many questions that remain unanswered and seems to be very much glossing over what a lot of people are doing. Uh, Salah Bashir, who is the co-organizer of Love Wins, said, quote, a lot of people in the community were looking for something to raise their spirits. There is so much that was going on. People were in shock and grieving and we needed something that was uplifting as the community, uh, as a community kind of thing in light of all the murders. Uh, he said in an interview, um, yeah. So there's, I mean, there's others scheduled to perform. Um, there's an R&B singer, Thelma Houston, uh, Billy Newton, anyway, and a Canadian Idol winner. Uh, so I don't know. Who's I don't know. sponsoring this? I don't know. It is seems it, like there's a it, lot of it's gonna be mainstream cr- Canadian media. Like there's like CTV. There's the Bare Naked Ladies. There's it's Canadian be a, Idol. There's gonna be a bank behind it. Uh. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it it just keeps getting weirder. Besides that person's name, I'm not sure who's behind um, organizing it. Wow. But, uh, hashtag love wins, I guess. I guess, yeah. if, if that's all we need. Serial killer got you down. Thoughts and prayers Bare and love naked wins. ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess we can sort of, I mean, that was our <laughs> our week. Did you have any other uh, bits? Or? No, not not yet, but just give it time. There's probably there more. Yeah. I mean, we well, I guess since last show, they've, been, they've posted a, a picture of... That was the other thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> we're going to talk about Toronto the whole show. Uh, yeah. So the police took the unusual steps, because I don't know, they, they weren't sure if they'd done that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so they found an image of a deceased person. Um, they won't say where they got it, but obviously, I can't say obviously, but I'm going to guess it was on a phone or a camera or a electronic device belonging to the killer mm-hmm. of a dead body. Right. 
And so they've released the uh, person's face because they don't know who it is. And they say that they've done everything they could to identify them and that they have no choice but to take this step to, uh, to try to identify who this person is. Yeah, so they've gone public with the picture with the picture of a, a yeah, dead person. It's upsetting. I've it never is. looked at it. You uh, have or you haven't? I have. Yeah, I did and too. And a I, number most yeah. every website I've seen has put a disclaimer to like warning um, before you scroll down. Mm-hmm. This article contains a disturbing image, except for the Toronto Sun didn't put a warning on. Oh well, yeah. No, I mean it, I don't know. I think like it's just another just so today they released an enhanced image. Oh. Um, yeah. It's, and people would come, yeah, the, the story I was looking at, they actually allowed comments below and people were mocking that it's not actually enhanced. Um, it doesn't help. No, but I mean, like, even to, like, allow comments, that's not... I know, it's That's bizarre. not going to help you. Like, the police aren't going to be looking at the comment section on these articles, I don't imagine. So all that does is make these things salacious and like completely yeah. make the, the person's life like a show for... Yes. And I just don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. If they if there was like deep community connections, I feel like you could actually um, use that image but discreetly show it to people in the community who might actually have information on who that person is as opposed to like broadcasting it on the internet through all media but that's yeah, I don't know because that's going to be there forever yeah and and like if that was your family member or friend and that's the way you found out well I've, to- I've told my friends if I go missing to I mean report me missing repeatedly and like don't <laughs> do everything they can so that my dead face doesn't end up on the media but that's so horrible that these things now no, have to be no considered should have to be in this situation yeah no, I mean, that's absolutely horrible that, that people, yeah, that different groups of people have to legitimately, like, consider is this, a, like, is this a dangerous situation and what would actually come of it if something happened, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So with giant size. Each Thursday, a new issue of View Weekly awaits you at your favorite newsstand, be it on the street or on the web at viewweekly.com. And while you're thinking about that, think about this. Through thoughtful and intelligent journalism, View covers topics too often ignored, marginalized, or misrepresented by the mainstream. View Weekly, free press in the truest sense. As in, you don't have to pay for it. Whether you've been bullied or have been a bully in the past, CGSRFM knows that bullying hurts and wants you to know that help is available 24-7 through Alberta Health Services at 1-888-456-2323. It is revolutionary for any trans person to choose to be seen and visible in a world that tells us we should not exist. Laverne Cox. Hey there, we're Gaywire. Hi. Oh, hey. We're just doing a show over here if you want to join. phone. Okay, what do you got? Now that we're back with some pop culture, uh, the internet's been quite, quite upset um, about some comments that RuPaul made about um, 
whether or not trans people uh, would be allowed on his show. So in an interview with The Guardian, RuPaul said that he wouldn't necessarily allow transgender women to compete on Drag Race if they had begun any type of surgical transition and fans were understandably upset. So, in the interview, RuPaul said, quote, So how can a transgender woman be a drag queen? Hmm. It's an interesting idea. Peppermint didn't get breast implants until she had left our show. And P.S., uh, I'll just put as an editorial note that this uh, quote is quite horrible because he's discussing the very private surgery of people that had been on his show. Mm. Anyway, she was identifying as a woman, but she hadn't really transitioned. Um, And when asked, would he accept a contestant who had transitioned, he hesitates again, saying, quote, probably not. You can identify as a woman and you say you're transitioning, but it changes once you start changing your body. It takes on a different thing. It changes the whole concept of what we're doing. We've had some girls who've had some injections in their face and maybe a little bit in the butt here and there, but they haven't transitioned, end quote. So um, as RuPaul mentioned, several contestants have had plastic surgery or both talks and several contestants on Drag Race have come out as trans during or after the show mm-hmm. like Carmen uh, Serrera and Jiggly uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to say her name <laughs> so it feels odd to accept trans contestants and then draw the line at those who choose to transition through surgery. This is a, a sort of uh, the thoughts of somebody coming from Jezebel. And considering drag race is about constantly playing with gender and not taking the boundaries of gender too seriously, you think there wouldn't be much, uh, be such harsh rules when it comes to trans contestants. After the interview, fans began to call out RuPaul on Twitter, and he only doubled down at one point, implying that taking the performance-hancing drugs as an athlete is the same as getting surgery transition. Yes. He posted on Twitter, quote, you can take take performance enhancing drugs and still be an athlete, just not in the Olympics. Oh, that's... Yeah. He's Um, comparing people who are transitioning to Russian dopers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Other past drag queens who had been on the show also joined the conversation. Most of them were speaking in support of trans queens. Uh, So Sasha Velour on Twitter said, quote, my drag was born in a community full of trans women, trans men, and gender Mm -hmm. non-conforming folks doing drag. That's the real world of drag, like it or not. I think it's fabulous, and I will fight my entire life to protect and uplift it. Um, Tatiana said, drag is fun. Drag is not to be taken seriously. Drag is an expression. It is an art. Drag is for everyone drag can be created by anyone eventually rupaul seemed to realize that his comments were a mistake he tweeted an apology adding that quote in the 10 years we've been casting for drag race the only thing we've screened for is charisma uniqueness nerve and talent i call bs and that will never change (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's the only thing you've you screen for i'm sure but yeah I mean, I admit I've never really watched a lot of Drag Race other than, like, YouTube clips. Mm-hmm. Haven't there been, f- like, female contestants? I don't Am know. Am I thinking of a different drag show? Is there more than one drag show? I don't know. I, I would, like, I don't know the answer to that. I would okay. think that no. But I thought for sure there had been trans contestants, but I guess they... Or, female, like, female-identifying contestants. Yes. I don't know if people are... But I guess it but I think during as, the show. As they, yeah, and I, as they said, it seemed that people 
were transitioning in specific ways during the show and then after the show. Oh, okay. but the fact that he had this rule that you can't have had surgery you means that you would that there wouldn't be people. So you who can had, be trans. You just, but they're actually checking. What? Like, how else would you know unless you asked them and checked? Yeah. That's the that's the really screwed up part, that's, I think. Yeah. Well, on top of and and I think like the con like the tweet that that um, uh, Sasha Valour brought up is like the entire reality of the drag community is that that you have like you know uh, men and like you have like cisgendered men. Yep. You do have cisgender women who do it. They're called bio queens. I learned that. Um, uh, and you have like trans people who do it, and a lot mm-hmm. of people like you know use that community to sort of feel out and like, and also teach and like bring people into the community yeah. um, through that and like teach drag queens and 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 all those sorts of things. So that's a, yeah. that, that's sometimes what happens with older established people of the of these what do you call them. This inner communities, mm-hmm. right? So not just the queer community, but I mean a subsection of that. So the drag community, sometimes you and then you see in the you know leather community, bear community, people who are established, setting rules about who is in and who's not. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I mean, why would you want to be on the wrong side of history on this one? I mean, it's if it's about inclusivity and fluidity and uh, being open. Then, yeah, it just seems really short-sighted for RuPaul to say that. Well, absolutely, and that like it's an like ugh, that it's an unfair advantage. I mean, it does. It shows like distaste for trans people, um, and it yeah, it shows like a deep down sort of well, just prejudice against them and being out of touch. Absolutely, and if you think that like you're creating a show, as they said, that are like pushing the boundaries of gender and playing with gender and trying to be like fun and spontaneous mm-hmm. about it for you to then say to somebody you're doing gender wrong because of how yeah. well, you identify is so ridiculous Ugh. and this isn't I mean this is like people are bringing up like RuPaul um, obviously um, gets a lot of like social and celebrity credit and runs sure. in high circles and is the like is able to sort of and I think has um pushed many boundaries by presenting as, you know, obviously RuPaul in a in a male identifying way in public and then being in drag as well and sort of going between the two. Um mm-hmm. but but yeah, no, this is this just seems Well yeah, it's yeah. There's always going to be a ruling oligarchy that decides who, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until they get overthrown, right? I mean, yeah. Paul's going to get pushed out if you if you're that resistant mm-hmm. to uh, to change and to recognizing the world we live in. You're going to get pushed out and. Um, replaced yeah and like I mean like a lot of people sort of joke and I've heard this and to you know um, that that like queer eye for the straight guy RuPaul's drag race is like mostly um, absorbed by straight people right so it's mostly like consumed by straight people and it's not necessarily like I've had a lot of like you know friends in the drag community who are like that's not my that's not a representation of what my drag community is like. Yeah. Right. So well, it's packaged for TV and it's yeah. edited and it's and it's for straight people and they push they push the boundaries just enough before you feel uncomfortable. And where someone might feel uncomfortable is if it's a trans person doing drag and then they suddenly mm-hmm. have to think about gender in a different way and like. Sure. I mean, they they blur reflection. they blur things out. They bleep people. Yeah. That's not that's not my experience with <laughs> drag queens. Yeah, absolutely. Bars, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Does, uh, do you have anything to report from 
from Perez, um, the regular yeah, our, Perez our, update. Our, our fluff news yeah. from Perez Hilton. Yeah. I'll, we don't have a lot of time. I'll just give some headlines. Then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Confirm that the there will be a sequel to Call Me By Your Name. Um, Call Me By Your Name director Luca Guadagnino confirmed he's working on a sequel with the book's author, Andre Asiman. Uh, last week, we reported Lee Pace half came out in an awkward interview, so he has further tweeted that uh, he does identify as queer and uh, said he was caught off guard by the questions in the interview. I mean, if it, I don't know what the questions were, but that sucks when the media... You'd think they didn't do that as much anymore, but uh, Lee Pace... Uh, Tweeted, as a member of the queer community, I understand the importance of living openly, being counted, and happily owning who I am. That's how I've always lived my life. Just as it's been important for me to portray queer characters with dignity for my entire career. And then he goes on to list some of the times he's played queer characters for people who aren't familiar with Lee Pace. Check him out in A Soldier's Girl, The Normal Heart, Halt and Catch Fire, and now he's performing on Broadway in Angels in America. Oh, yeah, okay. That's and uh, <laughs> David Ogden Stiers, uh, actor that some people may know from MASH or uh, his Broadway career, um, passed away at 75. And he came out in 2009. So, oh, wow. um, yeah. So those uh, are some highlights. There's something here about the Kardashians, but I don't really No, you know don't even need are. to click on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week. Yeah. Oh. Been a long week. Yeah, it sure has. We'll be back next week with all your queer news stories, events uh, from Edmonton and beyond. Have hopefully, nice... some happy news. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, that's why we need to, we need you to keep interjecting the pop culture because I have a feeling the Toronto stories aren't going to end anytime soon. Um, up next is Prairie Pickin. Before that's the BBC. And uh, catch you next week. See ya.